Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MyFit Podcast, hosted by fitness coach, business owner, and CrossFit Games athlete, DJ Hillier. Physical fitness and podcasting are two of his life passions, and his goal is to train, educate, and inspire those who want to improve their general health. These podcasts are designed to help everyone, from the occasional gym member trying to improve their overall wellness, to the fitness enthusiast. The episodes capture a wide spectrum of topics, including training, coaching, nutrition, entrepreneurship, relationships, and mindset. Follow the show on Instagram at the MyFit Podcast and subscribe to his newsletter at djhillier.com. So let's get to it. Hey everybody, welcome back. This is DJ Hillier and you are listening to another edition of the MyFit Podcast. This week on the show, I welcome back my friend, Michael Tremblay. Michael is a PhD graduate in philosophy, an incredible writer, co-founder of Stoa Meditation, which is an app that combines mindfulness practice and stoic theory, as well as a competitive BJJ black belt fighter. Ever since being introduced to the Stoic philosophy in 2016, when somebody handed me the book, The Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday, I've become very passionate about learning as much as I can and finding ways that I can apply it into my daily life. Michael is an incredible source of knowledge who has put in hundreds and hundreds of hours studying ancient philosophy, specifically moral education of the Stoics. And he also does a fantastic job teaching people of all different walks of life, whether you are a beginner, new to Stoicism, or very much advanced in the philosophy, he has something for everybody. Michael, also similar to me, is very passionate about sports and has written several articles about the similarities that sports has to stoicism. And that was the idea of the conversation today is talk about how can high performers cultivate a stoic mindset and become unbeatable. Some of the topics we got into are first setting the table for people that aren't um, as, as seasoned in stoic philosophy. And I just wanted to know what is stoic philosophy and how do you explain that to a beginner? After that, we talked about why do high performers or why have high performers taken into Stoic philosophy more in the last five years? seems like it's more popular now than ever. And I was just curious on why. After that, we talked about how chaos teaches the dichotomy of control and trying to delineate between two things of what we can and can't control. After that, we talked about how to see obstacles as opportunities. After that, we talked about how difficulty teaches us to gain freedom in our lives. This is a very uh, profound conversation, piece of the conversation. So I think when people think of freedom, they think about things that are outside of them. If, you know, if you're wearing handcuffs and then they uh, somehow become off of you, you're now free. And, and Stoicism kind of flips that and talks about freedom is actually within you and it's within your own power and within your mind. Then we talked about how Stoics handle praise and ego. We know that both of those things are prevalent in sport, whether things go well or not. Praise and ego can be very prevalent. And, and it was interesting to hear how the Stoics would view those two items. Then we talked about how Stoics view stillness. And we closed down by discussing Michael's top three most impactful Stoic quotes. Kind of put him on the spot there. There's hundreds and thousands of quotes that he could have chosen. And I really enjoyed the three that he uh, picked out. And we broke them down uh, each um, uh, uh, sentence by sentence. If you guys enjoyed the show, make sure to leave a rating and review. That stuff helps my show grow tremendously, and I can't thank you all enough for doing that. Also, make sure to check out some of Michael's references that we talked about in the show. He's got papers, uh, an app, and also a website where he does a lot of blog writings, and I attached all that to the show notes. So, Without further ado, let's get to this episode talking about how to become unbeatable with the stoic mindset with Michael Tremblay. 
Let's go. Michael Tremblay, welcome back to the MyFit Podcast, man. It's a pleasure to have you back. I'm super stoked for this conversation tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Absolutely. Uh, every now and then, probably once every couple months, I like to throw in a stoicism type uh, episode because I think it's just super relatable, man. I'm a big fan of it as well. I read uh, the Daily Stoic every morning. I follow a lot of Ryan Holiday stuff, as you're super familiar with. And the last time we were together, we had an awesome conversation about stoicism and sport. And since then, I think we've both grown in, in stoicism and just learning along the way. And so I kind of want to just check in, see what's new and, and talk a little bit more about how uh, people can kind of level up their mental game. I think what happens nowadays is, you know, it's kind of funny, Mike, I started this podcast thinking it was going to be a lot about strength, conditioning, sets and reps, things like that. It's super interesting to me, but as time has gone on, it's turned more into a show about the mindset and the mental game. And what's interesting is most people in the CrossFit world or the strength conditioning world are doing a lot of similar things when it comes to sets, reps, recovery, et cetera. But what's setting most people apart is the six inches between the ears. And that's what's super interesting to me because I think that's what can take you to the next level. And I think stoicism is right there. Yeah, absolutely. The way that I think about that, it, it both can take you to the next level. I think it's really important. It's a, it's a differentiating factor that a lot of people don't notice or at least don't uh, tune into until late into their competitive careers. And the other thing is that it's, it's, uh, it's applicable everywhere, right? So it's kind of the mental game is cross-training for the rest of your life, um, no matter what you do. And that kind of versatility, you know, no time is wasted if you're developing your character, you're developing your resiliency, your toughness. And that's why I like focusing on it um, as well. Mm -hmm. And like you said, I don't think you're ever too old to do it either. I mean, you can be 50, 60, 70, 80 years old and still kind of improve your life, have some more awareness and, and take the time to do some of the stuff. It's never too late. And you also, like I say in a lot of my podcasts, Michael, is you don't have to be a high level athlete. I mean, yes, it could help, but you also don't have to be a high performer in order to have some of these thoughts, ideas, and kind of display what it looks like to be a, a stoic follower, if you will. Totally. And I'm sure we'll get into it in a bit more detail, but um, you know, as long as what you're doing is difficult for you, as long as, as long as it's challenging, it's pushing, it's making you reconceptualize, you know, you could be in, you could be in terrible shape and that's just like, I'm going to run a mile without stopping. Um, it doesn't really matter where your body is. Um, as long as you're pushing it, you're, the mind is being trained at the same time. So yeah, there's that age, there's that competitiveness versus recreational. There's your current level of fitness. It's always accessible to you. Um, that's kind of inspiring and motivational, I think. And you talked at the start here about, you know, you like to have a, a stoicism person come on every quarter. Um, but there's this idea of, you know, developing a habit and kind of returning to this mindset and returning to it as something you, you come back to again and again is important, I think. Mm -hmm. So before we get too deep, because I think it's easy to do, especially with you and I here, I think it's important to kind of set the table. And I understand, Michael, this question is probably really repetitive for you, but I also think it's important for the listeners just to be caught up before we take that that deeper dive. So, so Michael, what what is stoicism for the newer listener to the MyFit podcast? What is stoicism, and and what is the Stoic philosophy? Great. So stoicism is an ancient Greek philosophy. Um, I know it's become quite popular now in the form of like. Um, you know, these kind of Instagram stories, kind of once a day, catch up kind of inspirational quotes, which I think there's a, there's a real value for, but it's, it's a, it's a robust ancient philosophy with hundreds of years of history. So it started around, you know, 500, 300 BC ish time, um, ancient Greece and Rome, and then it developed and it kind of, uh, you saw less of it as Christianity rise to popularity. But the point is that there's, there's a lot of value to these ideas that these people came up with hundreds of years ago. And what people are doing now is they're touching back into that. They're, they're reassessing, hey, I can learn something. I can benefit from this. Um, 
And Stoic philosophy, in a nutshell, is it's a conception of how to live. It's a conception of of um, how to face problems and how to relate to things. And what the Stoics do is they put all the attention on what is up to you. That's often called what's in your control. And then there's this kind of so they say you know you should focus on what's in your control. You should focus on what's up to you. And then you know what turns out to be in your control is kind of your choices and your responses to situations. So that's kind of the second part to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so. And when you kind of take that outlook, it has a couple effects. So first, there's kind of a pragmatic effect that you just happen to be a more effective athlete, a more effective, you know, friend or person, uh, you know, like companion, partner, a more effective business person. When you're focusing on your decisions, you're focusing on your responses to situations. So there's this kind of pragmatic, pragmatic component, and then there's also this emotional component, which is that you also are less anxious, you're you're happier because a lot of the times um, our anxiety our stress, our emotions come from an attempt, uh, an attempt to control what is outside of us and, and an unreasonable focus on what's outside of us, whether that's just you know, trying to stop something bad from happening or trying to pursue something that we think is going to make us happy. Either way, that focus on the external, because, we don't, because it's not up to us, when we focus on it and we think, oh, this is what matters, this is what we need to be thinking about, it comes with a lot of anxiety. So yeah, that's I think the, the two main benefits: the pragmatic benefit and the kind of emotional benefit. And where it is, what it is historically is, the, is this ancient school that we're trying to kind of take value from because these people did a lot of work. There's a lot of interesting ideas here. Yeah, I think one thing that pops out to me is that it's very. We're talking off air how simple it can be and how simple the mm-hmm. Stoics make it. I think one thing that you know you talk about the Instagram stories, and I'm, I'm at fault because I'm the one putting <laughs> them all out. I love the Daily Stoic, but I think what is so attractive about it, Michael, is the simplicity that they write in and their quotes just kind of, you know, we'll get to the quotes later, but they kind of just hit you in a way that's like, oh, damn, like uh, there's no beating around the bush. They're very straightforward in a sense. And I think that's, that can be very attractive too. And on the other side of the coin, something else that I, that I think I've picked up on is the philosophy to me is more action oriented. There's a lot of Mm -hmm. things that they can, you know, you can go do today, tomorrow or not do as, as, as we both know that it goes both ways. But I think that action side of things, Things gives people a like a tangible uh, way to go about practicing, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, so two things I want to, I want to hit on there. So, like, you know, we we can tease and joke about the kind of Instagram story, and obviously, you're not going to get the full picture. You know, you don't get. It. I'm sure it's the same thing when you see people doing little um, Instagram stories about CrossFit totally. technique or something. Totally. And you're like, totally. I know, I'm glad it's getting people started, but there's yes. some there's some mistakes here, or well you know, said. that person's that person's form is off. Um, but so in, in, in Stoicism, there's this idea called the protreptic uh, philosophy. And protreptic is Greek. It means to turn somebody towards something. So it was this idea that like, you know, motivation or kind of inspiration is a really, really important part of philosophy. It's a really important part of training, which is that, you know, you have to be inspired. You have to be motivated towards action as you're talking about. And I think the kind of the daily Stoic, um, these bite-sized quotes, you know, maybe you're not getting the full picture, but if it's pumping you up, it's, it's motivating you towards action. There's a real benefit there. Um, so I, the Stoics were, were plugged into that, and they were always trying to inspire people, again, as you talked about, to, to act. And then the second part, as you, as you talked about, was this, was this focus on action, which is that you know, I think a lot of people who perhaps they didn't study philosophy, when they hear philosophy, it sounds very abstract. It sounds very um, boring or very you know, the opposite of what's applied. Right? You have action, then you have kind of theory. Um, but Stoicism is a lived philosophy. It's about self-transformation. It's just about self-transformation of your mindset and your character instead of transformation of, of your body. But they're, 
they, you know, I talk about this a lot. They, they, they make total analogies with athletes and they point to athletes and say, we should learn from athletes, you know, mm-hmm. because these are the people that, you know, they set a goal to themselves and they effectively transform their bodies. And we set goals to become better people. And then we talk about books all day and it's like, what's going on? we got to be more yeah. like athletes in this. We have to be more transformative. And that was a real focus in stoicism. Yeah. Fascinating. Why do you think, Michael, that high performers have taken into stoic philosophy so much more in the past five years per se? Oh, in the past five. So there are a couple of reasons of why in general, and then why in the last five years, let's put that into, I think in general, I think stoicism was developed as a response to like really, really difficult things, really kind of hard life conditions. And if you were living, you know, in 300 BC, that was just living. That was just the hard, hard life condition was just existing. Right. Um, Epictetus is my favorite stoic. Um, he was a slave and he has his leg very badly damaged. So he had like a disability from that. Um, from being a slave. And, you know, the, the stoicism was, was a response to hard circumstances. So I think people who kind of put themselves in hard circumstances in the pursuit of greatness gravitate towards that, gravitate mm-hmm. to these kind of mindsets that, that these people have developed. Sure. Um, in the last couple of years, I think, you know, as we gain, hmm, this is a good question. I think as we gain kind of access to so many opportunities, there's so many choices, there's so many different things you can do. And, you know, you hear people talk about this, you know, you used to compare yourself to your community and your community was kind of, you know, the 500 people in your village. Um, you know, now the community is the entire world because you have access, um, to, you know, Instagram, to Facebook, to social media and stuff like this. And when you can see everything, you can focus on all of these things outside of you, all of these things beyond you. And that can, you know, I think it can cause anxiety. It can kind of throw off your tempo, your pace. It can make it hard to, to think about how to navigate these kind of situations. And the stoic is really good at kind of pulling your attention back to yourself, back to what you can change and focus on and control. I talk about this as like a kind of, you know, you imagine there's a stage and there's kind of the spotlight on the stage. And it's like, you can have things on the stage, but only one thing in the spotlight at a time. Right. Mm-hmm. And Stoicism for me is all about making sure, you know, you have these thoughts, you have this understanding about these things outside of your control, about these, these, these things that are stressing you, but it's about keeping that spotlight tuned on yourself, your reaction, you know, what's up to you. And that's a real skill to practice, but I think that's a, that's a, a skill that perhaps people aren't learning or are in need of. Stoicism is, is attractive in that sense. Yeah. I'm wondering too, if some of it kind of comes from COVID and people going through some difficult times there and that's brought out stoicism. Like you said, it kind of goes back to going through hard times and how you see hard times. And we'll get into some, some of the specifics later. Then also, I think too, the obvious might be that, you know, you, you know, Ryan Holiday has done a lot of work on the marketing side of things. He's come up with phenomenal books too. And, and whether you're a fan or not, you can't, you can't ignore that success. And I think that has also shown some light on it. Um, and as well as just more, um, kind of visualization from performers uh, being able to on their platform show and, and recognize and reference some of the stoic philosophies. I think some of those things probably add to it just with, with where we're at as a society. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think COVID COVID is kind of in, in the short term, but it's the perfect example of like, um, you know, this kind of black swan event, this, this thing coming out of nowhere that no one was able to predict that both has a lot of terrible, terrible things I don't want to downplay, but also a lot of opportunities um, or a lot of potential upsides, you know, to focus on skills, to have time with family you didn't have before. And I don't want to downplay if people had terrible things, but with any change in circumstances, the hardships and there's the opportunities. And, you know, 
a skill set that told people to focus on those opportunities is really, really valuable in that set. And then, as you said, yeah, like, um, so it's very obscure philosophy is philosophy is very obscure and people have been doing like Ryan holiday have been doing work to popularize it, to get it out there. Um, and that's a huge benefit for sure. So what I want to get into now is uh, you sent over an incredible, you're an incredible writer, Michael, uh, a paper that talked about the comparison similarities and differences between MMA fighting and stoicism. And a lot like MMA, MMA has a lot of similarities to my sport. And a lot of my listeners are CrossFitters, a lot of similarities there. So I think we can kind of have this triage, this little triangle here going between MMA, CrossFit and stoicism. I think we could really pull out some really valuable stuff for the listeners. And I think kind of the best place to start would be talking about kind of your three principles. And we'll talk about, I'll I'll introduce one and then we'll talk about it for a while. And we'll go to the second one, if that, if that sounds good for you. And and the first one is, is kind of, is, is a really big one. And it's and it's uh, chaos teaches the dichotomy of control. Talk to us a little bit, Michael, about why is this important? Also, how does it show up in stoicism and also in MMA training? Right. So the dichotomy of control is that idea that I was talking about at the start, right? Which is this idea that um, some things are up to you, some things are not. That's the dichotomy. You know, like of everything there is, it's either up to you or it's not. Um, and what you should do is you should, and then, so that's the first part, that's the dichotomy. And then what you should do now is you should focus your attention on the things that are up to you. And this is what I was talking about before for a pragmatic reason, um, in that you just will be more effective and for kind of emotional reason that you'll be happier and you'll have a better time with it. Um, and then there's this kind of third reason that the Stoics argued for, which is that as it turns out, the things that are up to you are just, are just more important. Like what's up to you is your character, who you are, you know, your, your personality, your your, um, you know, your, they would call them virtues, but this just means, you know, how kind you are, how patient you are, how hardworking you are, these kind of character traits. And, you know, the Stoics, this is, this is a big part of Stoicism. If you use Stoicism, you can use Stoicism like a tool, right? You can use this kind of um, this idea to help you go out and make money or to help you go out and become famous. You can use it as a tool to achieve other things, but the Stoics are going to say, look, these, these, internal things, your character, your personality, this is actually what matters. So you don't, don't use stoicism to get other things, use stoicism to get the things that matter. Um, and so the point of that paper is I was talking about how MMA can teach stoicism and can make you a good stoic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, as you said, I think that applies to any kind of sport or any kind of thing that's quite difficult that has these ideas. And one thing I talked about is that the dichotomy of control comes out and you start to internalize and you start to learn about it when you find yourself in really chaotic, very difficult uh, situations. And so what I talk about with, with the chaos of MMA is like, you've got to set your, this goal for yourself. You know, I'm going to go in and I'm going to train and I'm going to win a fight. But in the pursuit of that goal, there are so many things outside of your control. Like, first of all, the entire other person's camp, right? Everything to do with that other person. Um, there's, there's the referee, there's the crowd, there's, you know, do you get a flu? Do you roll your ankle? Um, there's all of these kind of things. And if you were to focus on those things, you would break, right? You would, you would crack, or at the very least, you would not perform as well as you could. And I, I read about this because I fought MMA. Um, I wouldn't say as I'm, I'm as good at MMA as, as you are at CrossFit, but I, I had four amateur fights and I had a pro fight. It's a very, very difficult thing because it's, it's, it's not ego. Um, there's like a degree of physical safety there, right? It's, it's, it's uh, you know, when you lose, you get quite hurt. And so, you're basically setting this incredible challenge for yourself and you're only going to succeed at that. If you're, if you learn to be able to focus your attention on your reactions, your behaviors, the choices you make. So like anything else, right? I I think the mind 
functions on concepts of progressive resistance. And you know, what doesn't break, it makes it stronger. And you, you take somebody who's never ran and you make them go and run a marathon and they're going to, you know, they're going to die and it's not going to be any help for them, but you give them kind of progressive resistance and that benefits them. And so we, what we have to do with our minds is kind of put ourselves in situations of progressive resistance, especially in times now when, um, you know, either our lives are easy or we want to already be strong for when our life gets really difficult. Right. I think about, we want to, we want to apply a lot of artificial difficulty for when, you know, really bad things happen. Um, like CrossFit, I would say, and MMA, I would say are like artificial difficulty. They're difficult things we make ourselves do so that when the real shit goes down, we're ready for that. Um, yeah. So that was the concept was that you put yourself in chaotic situations to learn this skill set, because it really is a skill set of focusing your attention, focusing your attention on yourself in really high stress, high consequence situations. And if you've never done that, when the chips are down, push comes to shove, you're not gonna be able to do it. So you have to kind of force yourself in those situations. Yeah, totally. This is something that was introduced to me. And I've said on the podcast a couple of times, introduced me in 2016 when somebody handed me the book, uh, The Daily Stoic. And, mm-hmm. and, and it sounds dramatic, but it's, I stand by it. It has changed my life completely once I started to understand what that meant. Um, not only has it brought down stress levels, but it's also been able to be very uh, comforting in times of challenge and, and adversity. Uh, and it what was really surprising to me over the last few years, I guess, Michael, is, as we talk about this really big subject is the idea of how much we really don't have control over. And I had Massimo on the, on the podcast and he really talked about, I think it's a pretty common uh, uh, visualization or story, but the idea of that bow and arrow, when you pull that bow and arrow out, you control that you're holding that. And as soon as you let go of that arrow, everything is completely out of your control. And that visualization, that idea from a sports standpoint, I think is like mind blowing because there's so many things in our life that happen outside of our reach, our grasp, if you will, mm-hmm. that can end up kind of eating us up. And so, you know, you, you wrote in your, in your article here, I don't know, I think you're referencing Epictetus, but the quote was, some things are within our power while others are not within our power, our opinion, motivation, desire, aversion, and in a word, whatever is of our own doing, not within our power of our body, our property, reputation, office, and in a word, whatever is uh, not of our own doing. So remember then that if you regard that which is not your own as being your own, you'll have to, you'll cause, uh, you'll cause to lament, you'll have troubled mind, and you'll find uh, fault with both gods and human beings. And I think it comes back to, um, the only few things that we have control over are kind of our um, recognition and our impression on what's around mm-hmm. us. Am I, am I on the right track? Yeah, totally. And like, so just to take that Epictetus quote in a little bit more contemporary language, you know, I, I think of this example, it's kind of a silly example, but it helps me understand. It's like, if you, you, you see, you know, imagine a kid and the kid's like, I want to fly. And the kid's like crying because like, I want to have wings. I want to have superpowers. And you're like, humans just don't have superpowers. Like, sorry, you just can't fly. And you see like there's something wrong in that kid's like the, the kid's making a mistake. You, 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 maybe you sympathize because they're a child, but you're like, you got to learn that lesson. And we're the kind of the same thing. There's, there's certain things we can control and certain things we aren't. And, and if you get kind of upset, you're like, I want to be able to like, you know, if I work really hard, that means I should win every CrossFit tournament I go into, or if I try my best, I should, you know, I should do have a good result. And it's right. just like, sorry, you know, you're a human being, you don't have that power. Um, and if you think you have that power, and you pretend you have that power, you're going to have a bad time. And you're going to get really, really upset when the reality that you don't hits you in the face every time. Um, 
And so then there's this idea, which you mentioned at the end of, of, of impression, kind of this reaction. And one of the big parts of Stoicism is um, understanding that the way that we see the world originally and the way that we originally encounter the world is not necessarily the way the world is. Mm. And so, so thinking about the way we think about things, the way experiences present them to ourselves, making sure, you know, oh, I, is that true? Do I really think that's the case? And then only then acting, you know? You know, the example, we can use whatever we want from sport, but, you know, you lose a tournament and you think my, my life is ruined, everything is terrible. Um, that's your impression. And I think it's going to be very hard not to have that impression if you're like an elite competitor and you've sacrificed a lot. It's very understandable to have that. But then there's this kind of the step back of like, okay, I've had this kind of initial reaction. Is that true? Is that the way I want to now respond to this stimulus, right? I mean, I'm, you can use all these athletic analogies, right, about stimulus and response. and um, Stoicism is about training yourself to have the right response. And if you don't have the right response, at least have no response, at least pause, mm. think about it, and then act. So it's better in Stoicism to do nothing at all than to act incorrectly. Um, yeah, so that's, that's, that's the idea. And as you, as you mentioned, when people often get this idea of the dichotomy of control, they often think, okay, well, I control... I control my choices and I control like the results of your choices. And it's like, no, that second part, as soon as you get outside of you, it's done. Right. And it's dependent upon a, a ton of other things. And that's really hard in one yeah. sense, but it's also very liberating and focusing in another. And I think that key is, I think I keep coming back to is focus, right? There, there's, there's a real liberation when you say, okay, there's a hundred things and I only have to focus on five of them as well as I can. Mm. That that's, that's really, really freeing, even though, it's scary because your whole life you wanted to focus on all hundred. And I think too the uh, the importance. I don't want to skip over the importance of uh, of or avoiding becoming too emotionally invested in the outcome. And this mm -hmm. you talked about in your paper, and it's something that I really try to talk about with my athletes and, and, and through my messaging or my platform on Instagram. Is this idea? It led me to of the idea of uh, process over outcome. And you, and you touched on that. And I think that, that, that become, that, that's a center point of things that are inside and out, outside of your control. What you can control for the most part in some circumstances, depending on the nitty gritty you want to get, is the process, your hard work, your preparation, and the result, what happens on game day, you know, where you're finishing the, in the CrossFit Open, the standings, that's very much out of your control. And I think if we can tie that a little bit in with also being aware of becoming too emotionally invested. Those are two mm -hmm. really big things that can be difficult, but also very um, stoic-esque, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I want to dig into this just a second, because I'm just going to nerd out with the technicalities here for Please a second. Do. We talk a lot about the dichotomy of control, but I wrote another paper about how that's not the best way to say it, because control is very confusing in, in, in the English language, and they, they weren't using that word. The, the way I like to think about it that I think is a little bit more helpful is what is up to you. Ah. Right. And when you think of that, and what I mean by that is like, can anybody else stop it? Can anybody else prevent it? Right. So like my choice to cross the street is up to me, whether or not I get across the street depends a lot on whether or not, you know, um, is there a wall in the way? Is there a person who's holding me back? Um, so, so this idea of what is up to you. And so how you compete is up to you. The result is is, is, is not because somebody can prevent you from getting first, not even somebody else, but you could get injured. You could uh, get sick, all these other things. You could just like, you know, you started CrossFit when you were 35 instead of when yeah. you were 21 sure. and you did, you did everything right personally, but um, 
you know, you, you just started it too late. Um, so this idea of just like, you know, what is up to me um, is really, really, is really, I think a, a helpful way of thinking about control and understanding the stoic sense. Cool. One more thing before we move on is uh, yeah, something yeah. that I'm, I'm just picking up on, and I know we could go the whole episode on talking about the cognitive <laughs> control here, um, but something that I'm picking up on here is that in order to, my assumption here, a presumption is that in order to be live a stoic uh, type lifestyle, you have to be very aware, Michael. It seems like in order for you, you can't just float through life. And I don't think the stoics would agree to that. Um, so if somebody wants to kind of embody this lifestyle, they need to be aware, aware of their thoughts and have intent focus on those things. When you think about awareness and embodying that, where does your mind go and how can people maybe become more aware of some of these things that maybe Michael, they haven't thought about before? Yeah. So, so awareness, I, I like to think of these, me just personally, I mean, this is a great podcast for me because normally I'm talking to philosophers and then I try to use a sport, <laughs> sport analogy sure. and then it doesn't go as well. Um, but I, I just think of these always in physical metaphor, right? So like when you're looking at awareness, um, you're looking, you need some form of like assessment and some form of diagnosis, like uh, diagnostic, right? So you're trying to say, I'm trying to get awareness of how good my cardio is. Well, you need to define, you know, what is cardio? What does that mean? Okay. That's the capacity to do a certain kind of exercise for a certain duration, a certain intensity. And then you need some sort of way to measure it. Okay. Well, we're going to get you to run, or we're going to get you to do a hundred burpees and, um, as quick as you can, or something like this. Right. So the thing with awareness is the first stage is to recognize that there's a thing going on, right? Like um, your reactions to situ- like, you know, oh, there's a thing called cardio. Or there's a thing called flexibility. It sounds silly, but people walk around with their mental life, not realizing these are things. And then you're going to say, how am I going to diagnose this? You know, what is my kind of test? And your diagnostic could be, you know, how many times in a day or a week do I find my blood pressure? Do I get upset? Do I get kind of angry? Um, you know, when I'm, when I'm about to compete, do I feel anxiety? Do I feel kind of, so the first step, as you said, is just this awareness, this kind of diagnosis, this evaluation. And only once you've done that evaluation, can you then, you know, the person that can do the splits, but, you know, can't deadlift a plate, you're not putting them on a flexibility routine, right? You're putting them on a strength routine. So you need to diagnose yourself. Are you quick to anger? Do you not have enough confidence in yourself? Do you get extremely high anxiety about the results instead of the uh, process, as you said? So that's, that's the first thing. Um, then the next part is it is a skill. And like any skill, as I said before, I think this is something about progressive resistance, focus, and dedicated time. So you say, okay, my issue is that um, I get angry because my attention drifts, or sorry, I get maybe anxious because my attention drifts towards the result instead of the process. But then you say, well, I'm going to do things that make me anxious, and I'm going to work on focusing my attention in the right direction as I do those. And then I'm going to afterwards evaluate and adjust my training appropriately. It's the exact same as any sort of physical program, any sort of skill development. I think you're going to find uh, major analogies here. But yeah, the first thing is, and, and this is kind of a, a light bulb moment for some people, myself included, when I started thinking of the way, the first way is just understanding that this is a thing you're, this is an aspect of your performance. The same way you would look at your cardio, your strength, your flexibility, your endurance as part of your performance. Your mental game is part of your performance. You need to begin diagnosing it um, and evaluating it. So a lot of people use meditation. A lot of people use journaling. Um, me, I just used a lot of debriefing with my coaches and my teammates, right? You said that, that process over result is a thing you talk about with your athletes. I would just like talk about this with my coach, um, talk about my feelings, talk about my fears with the coach. The same way you would talk about like, oh, I had this match because I, I do jujitsu and MMA, right? Uh, 
So the same way I would say like, oh, I had this match and you know, that guy just felt way stronger than me. You, you'd talk about after, like, I don't know where my head was before that match and, and you'd evaluate it and you'd work on it. Yeah. So my mind, my mind went to a spot of awareness of kind of what you were leading towards there was being able to sit still and maybe think in your thoughts a little bit and start to mm-hmm. create some brainstorming in your mind, in your inner voice uh, to, to create awareness. Michael, do you have an example or do you have a, a, a quote, a still a quote or something in, on the importance of sitting still, listening to your thoughts and, and that leading to awareness? Am I on the right track? And if, if I am, is there, is there something that you can kind of pull that from? Yeah. I mean, stillness, stillness is important. Um, my mind kind of goes towards these kind of, you know, they, they, they have these kind of military analogies and they have these athletic analogies and those are the ones that stick out to me. But a military analogy is this idea of your kind of your mind, like a fortress and these, these kind of toxic, venomous, incorrect thoughts are like these enemies and they're trying to break in. Right. And you, your, your guard you know, your, your, your awareness is kind of the guarding system. It's the wall and it needs to be strong. It needs to keep these out. Um, that's, that's one thing that I like to think about. And the nice thing about that is, is it kind of separates these negative thoughts about like these negative thoughts are, are not necessarily you, right? They're these, these things that you're experiencing that you're able to identify and you're able to separate yourself from. Um, and I think that's kind of a helpful process. I know Ryan Holiday in his latest book talks a lot about stillness, but me, myself, um, that's not something that, that's not something that, that I've, you know, particularly focused on as much as this idea of this kind of mindfulness and awareness and this focus on these impressions as they're coming. Sure. Totally. All right. So that was one. <laughs> Let's move on to number two. <laughs> yeah. So the, the second lesson uh, from your paper, when we're talking about, again, comparing MMA, CrossFit, uh, hard training, that type of stuff to stoicism. The second one you had was antagonism teaches us to re- Imagine obstacles as benefits. Talk to us a little bit about reimagining obstacles. Yeah, so this is one of the this is one of the best parts of stoicism, I think, is that. So you know, again, one way to look at it is like, oh, if if I only care about myself, then nothing outside can hurt me or help or, or whatever. You know, it doesn't make me upset. But when you actually think what matters is character, when you actually make the journey about your personal development and you're using sport, you're using CrossFit, you're using difficult situations as a way to, to, to help you on a personal journey, then it entirely reframes the way you look at these challenges and these problems, right? So what was an impediment to your, to your goal? I want to win. Oh no, this person registered, you know, that, that's better than me. Or, you know, this, this, this guy showed up um, and he's been training really hard. What was a problem just becomes actually, actually a benefit. Because it, it throws another problem, throws another difficulty for you to respond to and react to. Because the real game, the real battle is between your character and the situation, your personality, your choices in the situation. And so any way that the situation changes, it's just other opportunities for you to learn and move and navigate in your kind of internal battle and your internal progress. Um, and so this idea with antagonism is this idea is like, when I set a goal for myself, I want to surround myself with kind of opportunities for people to, to mess up that goal or situations to mess up that goal, because that will remind me and help me, na- help me um, remember that the real goal was not, the, was not the external thing I set for myself. Right. The real goal was this kind of personal journey along the way. And, um, you know, so, so MMA is obviously like some, you, you know, you're two people in a ring together and the other person's, you're trying to hit each other and only one person's going to walk out. 
Um, and that person is, is a real enemy in that sense. Um, but if you adopt this mindset, this person is a partner, they're, they're a training partner, um, helping you in your, in your own progress. And I'm sure it's the same thing across here, right? These competitors, these people you're competing against, if your goal is external, these are, these are antagonists, but if your goal is internal, these are, these are benefits, right? Try to become the best CrossFit athlete you can be, the best person you can be. And you live in a city where nobody does CrossFit and you can't, nobody shows up to the tournaments. <laughs> I'm sure you'd be worse, right? Um, what you want is those, is those rivals. What you want is that person who beats you so you can chase after that. Um, but that's only what you want is when your goal is to be the best and your goal is to refine your personal journey. If what you want is to walk home with the medal and you want the, the, nobody good to register, you want nobody good to show up. And so that's the idea of remembering that when things impede you and, and frustrate you, that the, 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 the real journey is the internal one. And these are just other kind of training partners, obstacles. You know, I, we were going to talk about some quotes at the end of this podcast, maybe. So I'm, I'm getting to all of them already because they're, they're okay. the ones that are going to come up. But Epictetus talks about it as, as, a, as a, a wrestling partner, right? You show up and you're like so grateful. Oh, thank you for, you know. Um, wrestling with me because you're helping me improve my technique. And he said, and somebody who like makes you angry, somebody who upsets you, that's your wrestling partner today. Right. And like, you should be like, Oh, thank you for, thank you for the match. Now I get to, now I get to work and improve. Um, and that's the kind of mindset shift that can be really empowering. This is a total, this is a huge mind sh mindset shift to me, Michael, because this, is, this goes against what most um, uh, performers, athletic performers probably think they're in this to win a championship. Mm -hmm. They're in this to make money and they're, and they're, and, and to you and to, and to the stoic, if I'm following you correctly, those are all external things that really shouldn't be, be first if I'm following you correctly. And, 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 and you said in your paper too, that the, the, the internal is the achievement of virtue. I think before I go to my next question, can you talk to us about what is that word virtue and what does that, what does that mean when stoics are, are trying to achieve uh, virtue? Yeah. So virtue, I mean, virtue is just Latin. The, the, the root of it is, is veer, which is just like uh, a man. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it is a little like, I mean, it, it obviously is like uni or like uh, applies to both genders, but it was just manliness. And what they meant by that in their culture was just excellence, right? Like okay. the thing you wanted to be, you know, it's like you're virtuous. It means like, oh, you're a manly man. Like you're everything a man should be. Um, I don't think that, I obviously don't think that even by the time they were using that word, um, it had kind of changed its meaning. But virtue is, and we talk about character. I really don't think there's, I think character is how we talk about it nowadays. It's just character, excellent character, okay. right? Because we can think about it in kind of a religious context or kind of a spiritual context. That's the way that language is used all about. Um, but part of virtue is moral because, you know, I can't do excellent things unless I'm courageous. You know, I can't do excellent things unless I'm resilient. But um, virtues don't have to be, um, just in terms of, of helping other people too. It can be in terms of, for example, you know, are you patient? Are you temperate? Do you not um, get angry when, when the situation doesn't call for it? Um, so the internal thing is your character, your virtue, and the external things are all the, or everything else, money, reputation, um, you know, accomplishments, your career. Mm -hmm. And for the Stoics, the only thing that matters is character. And this is where they were very controversial. Because they would say, you know, uh, a man is great. Like a man had a great life. If he's a great person, even if he, you know, even if he's on the torture rack was the famous yeah, thing. Yeah. So they would say like, you know, you'd be, you'd be a great person, even on the torture rack. You, you'd look at that person and be like, wow, 
I wish I could be like them, even as they're getting tortured. Because what you want to be is, is, is a great person internally. You don't want to be the, the, the thief, the conniver who, who's rich and loved, but is a horrible person. They're like, that's, that's, not what, that's not what you want. Um, and that's what it means to really focus on the internal instead of the external. And they're not opposites, right? The Stoics were not aesthetics. They did not think you needed to give up your money. They didn't think you needed to um, you know, not have nice things. It was just that you never compromised your character in pursuit of those externals, right? It was, it, as you said, it was, it was internal first. It was always character first. Um, so, you know, obviously you'd like to be a great person and not getting tortured, <laughs> but if they were like, we'll torture you um, unless you give up your family or unless you, you know, come fight with us and we're the Nazis or whatever, you know, the Stoic would say, well, you'd say, you'd say, no, torture me. I'm not going to be a terrible person just because it means it's going to hurt um, or you're going to, you're going to punish me. And that's the focus on internal over external. Mm-hmm. Love it. Thank you for spelling that out. So something that I wrote down and I think it piggybacks off really well with what we're talking about here is that idea of intent. And the quote I pulled from your um, paper was, while MMA provides an opportunity to learn stoic lessons, it must be trained with intention of bettering uh, one's character. Otherwise, it really is just learning to fight. Talk to me about mm-hmm. that quote. Yeah. So, so the, the point of the paper and, and what I've kind of been selling this podcast is that like, oh, you can use sport to become a great person, <laughs> but it, it, it has to, I'm sure, you know, if you've been around sports long enough, it is not a one-to-one, every great athlete is a great athlete, sure. but not, sure. not every great athlete is a great is person, a great person. Yeah. right? So it, it, it has to be intentional and it has to be um, the goal of what you're doing, right? So you use the sport as a tool to build your character, but you could have the best tool in the world and not have used it to get the other goal. And that was the idea is that, you know, the, the argument I was making in the paper was that you can use MMA, you can use this kind of martial art, which has this bad reputation to build your character, but we have to be careful. We have to remember that that has to be intentional and that has to be what you're doing it for. And if you forget that, um, it won't necessarily, and you know, Kant is another philosopher and Kant has this great quote where he says, nothing matters except a good will because every other virtue can be used wrongly. Like he says, you know, you don't want a courageous thief. You know, you don't want a really intelligent uh, serial killer, right? Like every, if you're not doing it for the right reason, every, every quality you develop in sport can be used to make you better at being a bad person. Um, so it was this point about always remembering that end goal, that internal goal of character um, and that kind of personal progress. Um, otherwise, it was all for nothing, right? Or at least it wasn't for the stoic goal. Yeah. From a CrossFit standpoint, I, I see obstacle as opportunity. And um, in the 2020 CrossFit games, I don't know how much you follow, but they had, they're out mm-hmm. in California and there was a limited amount of people just because of uh, COVID. So they had five guys and five girls and they had this run that was going to go through the hills uh, and they were going to, Dave Castro, the guy who programs and runs the event was going to meet him on the other side. And it was like an hour 20, they were going up hills and it was hot and there was just it was uh, the most brutal conditions that you could think of. And they've already been doing a bunch of events throughout the weekend. And basically they get through this huge long run. They get down to Dave and Dave's on the other side of the finish line, the finish line on quotes. And he, as soon as they cross the finish line, he says, turn around, you're going to go back and you're going to do it again in reverse order. 
And you can imagine what's going through their mind when they just ran over an hour through the mountains. And it was interesting because one of the female athletes, Katrin Davis' daughter, who is a big stoic uh, philosopher, not philosopher, sorry, follower. Um, it was very interesting because she has talked a lot about this kind of idea of seeing obstacles as opportunities. And when most of the athletes got, she was kind of more towards the back of the pack. When the first group of people came up to Dave, one guy flipped him off. One guy shook his head. It was very much like, you got to be shitting me. Katrin comes up and start about 10, 15 yards away, starts to realize what's going on. Everybody's turning around and she immediately smiles and everybody's like, what the hell? She's, she's happy about this. And she gladly goes to the red finish line, turns around and sure enough, who wins the race? Katrin Davis daughter. And she talks about after Michael, about this idea that she loves when stuff like that happens when the surprise opportunity happens she actually it actually excites her and brings out more motivation uh and i think that paints a perfect uh picture for my crossfit friends out there of it's one thing to uh it's i think it's one level to see as a, a um obstacle as an opportunity it's another thing to become excited about it and mm-hmm. to say yes, I'm going to take this on. What can I learn from it? And then in her uh, instance, win the event. I think it's pretty powerful. What are your thoughts on taking it one extra level when you see an, uh, an obstacle like that? Yeah, totally. Because I mean, so there's this idea of like resilience, right? We talk a lot about resilience and I think resilience is important, but there's this idea of like, I can withstand punishment. Like anything you do, I'm going to kind of put my head down. I'm going to make it through. Sure. And then as you said, with um, this kind of idea of excitement is, is, as you said, it's the next level of like, you're not just going to put up with it, but you're going to rejoice in the opportunity. Yeah. Um, and I think that's great. I mean, I think that's next level stuff, right? We're talking about the, the mentally, the toughest, best people in the world. Yep. I, I'm not sure that's something I would do. Um, totally. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but that's, that's, that's the point, right? And I think another point with that is that it's, that's so deeply internalized that at that state of total exhaustion, she was able, she was in there because it wasn't just like, oh, this is a thing I'm going to, I'm, this is not just a tool I'm going to use when I'm going to rationalize when I'm feeling sad. It's like, this is something that I've internalized. I believe I enact and I've habituated. And now in this moment, I'm able to, I'm able to live it. Um, I think that's very, very impressive. And that's, that's, that's really deep down the journey. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. But that's that's the right idea, right? Is that there's there's an excitement to to chaos to change because there's always potential upsides to that. Um, yeah, so it's not just like oh, I can put up with this. It is that there there's there's a great thing here for me if I can find it. Totally. Before we go to number three, was there anything else you wanted to add about opportunities over obstacles? No, I think that's I I, I think that was good. We got we got a lot to cover too still. So. We'll, Awesome. Let's move on. So now, number three here is uh, the difficulty uh, teaches us how to gain freedom from external mm-hmm. coercion. And uh, we talked a little bit off air about this, and I'm sure you're going to talk about it. It's just gaining freedom is the idea that it's a it's a freedom inside. It's not a freedom outside. Can you talk about that and why this is so important? Yeah. So, so a little bit of context. The person who who came up with this idea is Epictetus, who was talking about, which is around 100 AD. He was a slave. Um, and he ended up gaining his freedom and he opened up a school of philosophy. And he's my favorite because he's very much like a personal trainer. He talks like an athlete. And what I like is that he has a school, right? So other Stoics are kind of talking to non-Stoics, but he's at a school. So he has students. So he's like, you came to me, you know, you wanted to learn. So now I'm going to like tell it like it is. And like, I'm not going to try to persuade you to join. You've already joined. Now I'm going to like call you out on your, on your problems. 
Um, and, and he has this great idea of freedom. And so philosophy is a lot about concept clarification, right? So we use these words, but what are these words? What does happiness mean? What does is, what is virtue mean? What does freedom mean, right? And so Epictetus's point is that freedom, I think a lot of people would say freedom is being able to do what you want to do or some kind of idea like this. But Epictetus says freedom is, is the ability not to be controlled, right? Is not to, not to let other people control you. And what Epictetus points out, and he knows a lot about this, right? Because he, he was a slave. And what Epictetus points out is that, you know, when we think about it like this, the only way for you not to be controlled by other people is if these people are not capable of bribing you or threatening you, right? So only when you are not afraid of what other people can do to you, or you don't need or think you need what other people can give you. Um, so there's this concept in business of like FU money. I don't know if, you, if you've heard of this, yep. but it's this idea of like, I want to get enough money that if somebody tells me that to work or do something, I don't want totally. to be like F you. Yeah. And I mean, this is, but this is the same kind of concept. I mean, it's looking to get it externally, right? There's, so this one way is like, okay, well, no one can coerce me or threaten me if I get rich enough that I can do whatever I want. And Epictetus has this other way of getting there. Well, you don't need to get, you know, $10 million to get this kind of FU freedom. What you can do is make it so that you don't want the things other people can give you and you're not afraid of the things other people can do to you. Um, and that's, that's the kind of freedom he's looking at is freedom is this thing of like, I can't be threatened and I can't be bribed. And that's an internal state where I do what I want to do because I want to do it and not because, and nobody else can control my behavior or make me do something. Um, and the way we do that is we need to, um, the kind of the full way we do that is we, we only want internal things, right? We only want the progress of our character, but that's kind of the, the next level the kind of pragmatic way we do that is we start removing the things that fear us. We start uh, having as, as few things make us afraid as possible. And we start desiring as few things as possible. And I think sport is a great sport is, is just an, an exercise in this, right? Because it's, it's like, you're going to not get the things that make you feel good. You know, like, uh, Oh, you like, you know, you like not having anxiety on competition day. You like eating whatever you want. You like like lying down in bed and not having morning practice, or you like like not feeling physical pain. You're gonna you're gonna be deprived of those things you want, and then you're gonna be forced to confront the things that make you afraid. So public embarrassment, physical pain, um, you know, complete complete exhaustion. And I think that's one thing that CrossFit CrossFit athletes are really good at because your sport is so simplistic that you're really I'm making an assumption, but you're probably really confronting a very deep, deep type of exhaustion every single time you compete that most athletes might not need to reach in the course of a basketball game or a hockey game. Not every game, you know, mm -hmm. I, that's, that's correct. I assume, right? Yep, like you, yep, got, yep, yep, yep. you get to that kind of crazy state. And so when you, when you deprive yourself of those things you thought you needed and you really wanted and you're like, oh, I'm still okay. And then you confront those things that really make you afraid and you go, oh, I'm, I'm still okay. You, you realize, oh, I don't actually need those things. I don't need those things I wanted. And I don't need to avoid those things that made me afraid. And then that's when that freedom builds out, right? It's people, you know, pe when you, when you're used to living simply and eating plainly, you're not as afraid of like losing your job and not having, not having the money. When you have kind of a resilience to physical, um, to, to, to being physically uncomfortable, socially uncomfortable, you know, people aren't really able to threaten you in the same kind of way. So that's that kind of empowerment, that kind of personal freedom. And 
that's the kind of the pushback, the response to this idea of like the only way to gain freedom is to, is to become a millionaire. Um, no, it's this kind of personal freedom that you can gain. Um, the reason you need a million, the reason you need a hundred million dollars to gain freedom is because you haven't checked your desires and fears. So, you know, the only way to get whatever you want when you, when you have these crazy desires is to become so rich, you can buy them. Right. Um, but what you do, if you reduce those desires, you, you confront those fears and realize they're not as bad as you thought. That's another way of gaining that freedom. A couple of things. I think this goes back to what we talked about earlier about not being too emotionally attached to things. I think that's one mm -hmm. thing that popped up is just not being over consumed with that idea. The second was the, the book that keeps coming to my mind is man's search for meaning. I think yeah, that's, yeah, totally. that's just a huge, um, and if you guys haven't read it, check that book out because to me, that's the epitome of in being in a rough, tough situation and not letting you know things get to you, other people get to you, comments, circumstances, whatever. And then the quote that I, I pulled from your article was, uh, if you've uh, derived yourself into slavery, if you attach value to anything that isn't yours, if you conceive a desire for anything that is perishable. So it's, it's just this idea again, that what are the things that you desire? And coming back to awareness again, it, I mean, it all comes together for a reason. I'm kind of having a light bulb moment here, but I, I think it's just important for us to come back to the idea of what are we really chasing? And then also removing the things we fear is interesting to me too. I'd like to hear something else maybe that people are afraid of that we can help to remove. Like what, what, what's another example of something like that? I mean, so I, I mean, I suppose I could ask you and kind of get your view on it. I mean, I yeah. think I'm quite, I think I'm quite socially motivated. I think I have a fear of, you know, I think I have a fear of um, embarrassment. I think I have a fear of letting people down or like not meeting expectations, mm -hmm. these kind of things. But this is all an attachment to other people's perceptions, right? Mm. And I think a lot of high, high achievers could probably relate to that, especially- I can totally relate to that. A social media yeah. era where, yeah, I can totally you know, relate. you're- you're always posting these accomplishments and stuff. Yeah. So I think there's that. I mean, I think there was a fear of kind of pain and stuff like that, but I think sport kind of pushes at least some of that out of you. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, how about yourself? What are you, what kind of you know, what I, fears I, push you? I can totally relate to what, to what you said um, mm -hmm. about letting people down. I think that is probably the number one fear of mine, but it's not something Michael that like keeps me up at night per se. Like, but mm -hmm. if somebody were to ask what you're scared of is, is that. And then um, another thing that, I don't know if scared is the right word, but just something that comes to my mind is not living up to not living to my full potential and like mm -hmm. almost like almost like leaving um, uh, energy credential, just leaving stuff on the table, I think is interesting to me because I just, yeah, go ahead. Oh, and then this is where the internal versus external. So having a fear about something internal is totally fine. Sure. Because you control that, right? Yeah. Like you're, you're allowed to be afraid of your own laziness because that's up to you. Mm. Um, and, and so you're not, nobody... And I'm, you're also allowed to be afraid of letting people down if you're like, I'm afraid of not doing my best. But to be afraid of letting people down, and this is like somebody you don't know or somebody who has these crazy uh, expectations of you, sure. that's, that's not allowed because that person will always control you because you can't, you can't control that, right? You can't mm -hmm. ever achieve that with fully concern. But it's important with, this is important with, with stoicism. Is it's not getting overly attached to external things, but kind of internal attachments of like, I want to be the best for myself. You know, not, not, I want to be the best so I can, I can, you know, impress people or, or make a bunch of money, but I want to be the best for myself, or I don't want to live below my uh, potential. Those kind of fears are totally fine because you're not being made a slave to anybody else. You're self-motivating yourself mm -hmm. and you're holding yourself accountable. Yeah. That's super fascinating. Uh, thank you for pointing that out. I think another thing too, that I, I wanted to come back to was the idea of, um, um, 
what do you call it? Criticism and how, and there's a, there's a bunch of quotes out there, but basically about like once, once um, somebody's statements or criticism has affected your behavior, you're no longer in control of your brain or yourself or your behavior. Like other people are controlling you because you're letting that happen. I, I know I'm definitely, not, I'm definitely butchering this idea, but uh, talk to us a little bit about maybe from a more contemporary standpoint of how do we make sure that other people aren't affecting who we are? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm totally, I, I'm hitting on all these quotes I pulled out earlier. But this is one of my favorite Marcus Aurelius quotes, which you probably already heard before, but this is a uh, book 12, chapter four. Um, it goes, it never ceases to amaze me. We all love ourselves more than other people, but care more about their opinion than our own. Yes. And um, that's it, right? Is like reevaluating what you value, what you love, what you care about. And I think that that matters, right? Because like, you know, if you're your mother is disappointed in you and you have a good relationship with your mother. It's like, it's not a, it's not a bad thing to be like upset about that. Right. Because you, because you, you, you know, you love your mother, you love your father, you love your family, whatever. Um, It's not, it's not a bad stoic is not about being cold to these things. um, Unconditionally. It's not bad to be, to care about what the people you care about. think. Um, But it's just this recognition that, you know, you don't know these people, these random internet people, these, you know, these people that you don't consider good friends, you don't know these people, you don't owe them things. Um, their opinion doesn't matter. Um, in terms of, in terms of what we truly, I think value and truly take a step back. And I think if, if what you do value is their opinion, you need to change that evaluation. Another thing that Epictetus talks about, which I love is he says, we're, we're afraid of things we don't understand. We're afraid of things we don't know well. So he says like, you know, the, the master guitar player is sitting in the room and they're playing but they get in front of a crowd and they get nervous because mm-hmm. they don't understand the crowd. They understand the guitar, but they don't understand the crowd. Um, and I like to think about that, which is just that it, it, it's normal to be afraid to a certain degree of things we don't understand, things we, we, we don't really get in terms of public opinion, in terms of the opinions of others. But remember what we love and what we're doing it for. If you're doing it to play guitar, focus on that. If you're doing it to compete, focus on that. Um, but yeah, to bring it back to this idea of control, it is this idea that, you know, if, if what the other person says is, is able to incite a reaction, and this is input output, right? This is yes. impulse response. Yep. You know, if they, if they, you know, I don't, I don't know the exact thing, but there was that little doctor thing where they hit you on the knee and your, yeah. your leg comes out, whatever, yeah. Yeah. whatever that is. Right. If, yeah. if the, if the person identifies one of those in you, you, you're, you become a puppet to them, right? They're controlling you. They, they, they know your button and they're able to press it. And the, the, the button has the same response. So it's really, really important. We identify those buttons and we fix them um, because we want to control ourselves. We want to have freedom um, just, uh, just as a value. Um, definitely. Very cool. So that's difficulty in teaching us to gain freedom. Uh, anything else you want to add on that? Um. No, I, I think that's that point. I think that point, the, the key idea there is this idea of like, you can gain freedom. I mean, I don't even think you really can gain freedom by getting very rich um, because unless your desires are in check, you know, there's, there's no end to that treadmill run, right? Like it's just going to go on forever. You're always going to want the bigger and better thing. But we have this idea of, of I, I think at our core, most people are very insecure. No, I don't mean insecure socially, but they're just, they want to feel safe. They want to feel secure. 
And, you know, a lot of people are attracted to sports because they want to become strong. They want to develop strength. And the idea is like, I'm insecure in this world. I don't like that I don't have control over things. So I'm going to become strong so I can go out and control things. Mm. And the stoic idea is just not that. The idea is I'm going to become strong internally so that I stop feeling the need to control things. So I stop feeling the need to, to do that because I'm never going to be strong enough, rich enough, smart enough, successful enough to control the entire world around me. So I have to be secure where I am. And, and that's the kind of freedom you're looking for. And that's the better way to achieve it, I think. Awesome. And uh, an ongoing process, definitely not going to happen overnight. That's something that you you take a a lifetime trying to improve upon. That's really good stuff. Um, I have one more question before we get to a couple of your favorite quotes. I know you already talked about a couple of them, but one thing that happens a lot in sports are two things, uh, praise and then also ego. I think those two things are um, can become evident whether you are playing well or not playing well. When I say the words handling praise and then also just talking about ego when it comes to sport, Michael, where does your mind go and how would the Stoics view handling praise and then also handling or dealing with ego? Yeah. So ego is a complicated word. Again, I come back to the Greek here. Ego is just the Greek word for I, right? So just thinking about yourself, focusing about yourself and more specifically, I think focusing about yourself in the way that other people see you or even how you see yourself, it's kind of story we're telling about ourselves. Um, I think that's one way to talk about ego. Um, in that sense, I don't think that that's necessarily a wrong thing if it's the right story. Um, and if it's a story that's focused on internal values. Um, but yeah, so I think that's, I think that's fine. But, but the idea here, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think, of, I'm trying to think of say, say it in a way differently than, than I haven't said before. Um, we, we just want to identify what we're doing it for. We want to identify what makes us tick. And this comes back to the mindfulness, the stillness, the self-identification. Why do you compete? You know, why do you go out? Why do you train? Mm. And, and think about that. And I know for me, I used to get a, 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 you know, a big part of why I would compete is so I could post on Facebook after, yeah. right? Um, yeah. And so identify that. And um, Plato, I'm going to go back to ancient philosophers because it's kind of fun. Plato talks about three parts of the soul which is that we have the rational, we have the spirited, which is the ego, um, the honor, the kind of identity, and then we have the desire. Um, and if you're doing something like CrossFit, you're probably not doing it for the desire because you probably desire to stay at home yeah. to kind of, you know, to, to, yeah. eat, to eat, eat food and yeah. uh, cheat, right? Yeah. So you're, you're, you're not motivated by the desire, but you might be mm. motivated by the spirit. Mm. And the thing that's really insidious about the spirit is that the spirit can think it's the, it's the virtue, right? Because it can think, oh, it, you can wrap up pride in this conception of yourself as being a great person. And that's really hard. And that's the thing that, that I work on all the time is like, are you trying to be a great person? Are you trying to be virtuous to, for its own reward? Or so you can feel smug about being so virtuous, you sure. know? Um, but that, that's a really hard journey. And that's a, that's a really difficult one. It seems um, like a constant battle too. Like, I mean- you think you think about it, right? Like at some point you're posting something or somebody's posting something and you want to get it out there, but you, you're trying to show a good message, but at, at some deep root, Michael, it's probably because, you know what? I want to show off X, mm-hmm. Y, and Z, you know I mean? At some point, I mean, to me, I just, it would just seem, and maybe I'm by myself, I don't know, but maybe to, <laughs> I think it's, I think it's a constant battle of at some point ego is going to be apparent in some fashion. Am I right or wrong? 
So I, I mean, I think it's gonna be uh, nobody's nobody here is like a, a saint, right? Like we're all yeah. working, and, I, and yeah. I, I, the athletic analogy works really well for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. You'd be the best shape in your life. You spend six months doing nothing. All of a sudden, you're in terrible shape, right? It, which seems very unfair. You're like putting all this work. I should keep it forever. But uh, I think CrossFit's another great sport. And I might be wrong. There might be like a lot of technique. I mean, I'm, there is a lot of technique, but I think it is, it is a, almost one of the sports where, you know, you lose so much of your ability to compete at an elite level so quickly. Sure. Yep. So this, this idea that so much of it is a com- com- commitment, a habitual process and a daily, a daily endeavor, I think it's probably stronger in CrossFit than almost any other sport. Um, because you, you know, you really, if you don't use it, you lose it. Um, so where was I going with that? We were talking about, oh, wanting to show off. Um, oh, this is it. That the other thing too, that's difficult is that we take praise as a proxy. And what I mean by a proxy is I mean a sign of something that's valuable, okay. right? So we want to be honored. Even if, even if we look at ego and praise in the right way, we want to be honored because people honor people that are great mm-hmm. and we want to be great. And how are we going to know we're great unless everybody honors us? Right. And, and what I mean by honor, I'm using like the Greek language, but you know what I mean? They just like, they mm-hmm. just, you know, they post about you have fans. They, mm-hmm. they, they compliment you. Mm-hmm. So we use it as a proxy. The only issue is that, you know, it takes a real kind of gut and character to say like when that proxy to recognize that it is just a sign post, it is just the kind of proxy. And like, if the people turn against you, but you're still sticking, you're still being great. Remembering that and sticking with that is really, really hard. Um, but that's, that's the, that's the way to get around it. Right. Is to remember, look, I'm going to use, you know, if my coach compliments me, I'm not going to be like, Oh, I don't care about what my coach has to say about me. I'm in this only for myself. It's like, no, I take that compliment because that compliment is a sign that I'm doing something internally right. Right. And I'm progressing correctly. The, the point and the addiction and the kind of daily practice is to not, oh, I want that sign now. I want that proxy. I, you, you have to continue to, to pursue what it represents. Sure. I know I'm, I'm asking very broad questions, Michael, and I know mm-hmm. sometimes that can be difficult or we could do an, a full hour on some of these, um, <laughs> some of these topics, but thank, thank you for, for painting the picture. Um, so what I want to do now is, is move into, um, we were going to do five. Let's see if we can do two or three of your favorite stoic quotes, maybe what's been uh, very impactful for you, life-changing, if you will. Talk to us a little bit about, let's do one at a time. And if you can just cite it slowly so that the listeners can understand what the quote is. Yeah. So we've already talked about a couple of them, but I'll go over them. So this one, some of these are, are, are quite famous, but it'll be a good introduction to people. Yeah, great. Um, so one of the ones that's really impactful to me is, is Marcus Aurelius's Meditations. This is book two, part one. And Marcus, this is a, a journal he writes to himself. So this is a series of reminders he's giving himself. Um, Marcus Aurelius was, was the emperor of Rome at the time. So he was dealing with a lot of very significant situations. And he says, when you wake up in the morning, tell yourself, The people I deal with today will be meddling, ungrateful, arrogant, dishonest, jealous, and surly. They are like this because they can't tell good from evil. But I have seen the beauty of the good and the ugliness of evil and have recognized not, sorry, and have recognized that the wrongdoer has a nature related to my own, not of the same blood or birth, but the same mind and possessing a share of the the divine. Mm -hmm. So the point there. What I really like is we're talking a lot about self-improvement and, and personal progression. This is a quote about forgiveness. 
Um, and a lot of your emotional progress, I think, comes in forgiveness. And so Stoicism has this idea, um, which is that everybody does what they think is good. Um, so when you deal with bad people, these people just have a mistaken idea of the good that they're pursuing. And you would do the same thing, right? He says, like, you know, I've recognized that the wrongdoer has a nature related to my own. We have the same mind. If I thought what they thought, I would do the same thing they're doing. Uh. Um, and so the, these people aren't bad people. They're confused people, right? And, and you know, I mean, it, given the political landscape right now, um, this, is such a, this is such a helpful idea of just going, oh, this person has their own certain paradigm, their own certain way of thinking about things, and they're pursuing the good as they understand it. Right. So they're, they're not some kind of monster. They're just, um, you know, if, if you're right, then they're just confused. And you were confused five years ago, 10 years ago. You've been confused in the past, right? Identifying that, um, that's really helpful, right? Because so at the end what, of the what, day, what another oh, way to put that be um, just giving somebody the benefit of the doubt? Giving them the benefit of the doubt is when I think about that, I think about that as the idea of maybe they have a good reason. This is not maybe they have a good reason. This is this this is just they're 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 wrong. Yeah. But I've been wrong about they're just doing what people that are confused do. Uh, They 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 get they they pursue what they think is right the same way I pursue what I think is right. And they're wrong, but that doesn't make them a different kind of human to me, a different kind of person. We're, 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 we're both people. Right. Um, and so that's it. That's kind of a, a kind of radical forgiveness and a kind of understanding um, too, that like people's history make up who they are. People's paradigms and perceptions mm. make up who they are. And if, if you had the same history, the same paradigm, you would act the way they did. And, and that's really, really helpful both I think for being kinder to others, but also in reducing your own anger at others. Totally. That's a unique one. I love that. Um, okay. Let's, let's do, let's do two more, Michael. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Um, so I have one from Seneca. Let me pull this out. Um, so this is Seneca. Well, so this is Seneca letter 76, part 12. And so Seneca was writing a series of letters to one of his friends talking about Stoicism. And this is about, um, sorry, there's some ambulances outside my house right now. <laughs> You're okay. Um, the, he's talking about whether or not virtue is the only good, right? Because this is really controversial kind of claim. You know, is, is obviously there should be, most people think, well, there's, there's other good things besides just character. And Seneca disagrees, disagrees about that. And he says, if someone should be found who has all the other advantages, health, riches, a fine family tree, an entry hall crowded with visitors, but it is agreed that he is a bad person, you will criticize him. Conversely, if someone has none of those things I listed, neither money, nor throngs of clients, nor noble birth, nor a long line of ancestors, but it is agreed that he is a good person, you will, uh, you will approve of him. Mm. Hence, this is, in, this is indeed the sole good of the human, mm-hmm. since one who has it is to be praised, even if he is lacking in other advantages, well, one who does not have it is condemned and rejected, even if he is well supplied with other advantages. Wow. How true is that? And this is just the right. Yeah. Well, this is the point, right? Is that we do not, we don't admire anybody who's, um, I mean, maybe we do, but what, that's, that's probably not to our own benefit. 
at the end of the day, when you're valuing great people, you don't admire people who have done great things who are horrible. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, because that's not, that's not what matters. And we all kind of recognize this intuitively is, is Seneca's point, but we can get confused. We can get caught up in the other stuff. And really what we want, which is what the Stoic wants is to be a great person and have to have that external stuff, have it all. But um, don't forget that if you're going to pick one, it's, it's never right to compromise the character in pursuit of the others. Dude, I like that one a lot. I think, I think quickly of like famous people and what, what just came out today. I don't know if you're an NFL fan or not, but John, John Gruden just got basically roasted in, in the public eye because he came out with some emails that were um, awful. And long story short, at one point, you know, everybody's looking to this guy. He's a, he's a Super Bowl winning coach and very successful and has a lot of money and all this stuff. And, and now people see how he kind of acts off the field in these emails and they're like, this is not the person that we want to be. They, you know, he, he walked away from the Raiders and he's no longer in the ring of honor for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, things really went downhill quickly, but I think it's a good paint the picture of just because you're famous in one sense doesn't mean you're a good person. And when some of that stuff comes out, the, the, the opinion and, and the, the image can really change rather quickly. That's kind of what I pull out of that. Yeah. And there's, there's, I mean, you get complicated with stuff about like, you know, the cancel culture and like, should we, you sure, know, sure, I, sure. I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what happened in this case, sure. but it's like, there's this question of like, how much should people be punished yeah. for the things they've done? But at the end of the day, Seneca's point, I mean, which, which you were hitting on, is just that we, we, we just don't value that. We just, yeah. we, we, we already, we already know that we already recognize that in the people we look up to. Mm-hmm. There's no kid with a poster on the wall of somebody that like, I think this person's a terrible person. And they like yeah. recognize that, but they're really <laughs> good at something. Nobody yeah. thinks that they, 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 as you talk about, Oftentimes, and I talk about this, this proxy of the sign is we can get confused. And oftentimes we imagine these celebrities, these great athletes as being great people already. Yes. And, and that's why we're like quite surprised or upset when that picture comes down. But at the end of the day, what we really just care about is the, um, you know, take whatever awful thing you want to be like a, a serial killer or abuser or whatever. We would, nobody envies these people who have, who, who's that, but also have a lot of other things. We just don't, mm-hmm. we just don't. Um, and that's just a helpful reminder, I think, because you, you already think that way. You're already almost on the point of stoicism. You just got to go a little further. <laughs> Be a good person. That's a great number two. Uh, let's close this down. What's our last one? Yeah, I mean, this one's a sport one, which is one that I like. Um, and I talked about this already, but I'll come back to it. This is Epictetus um, Discourses, Book 3, um, Chapter 20. And so he's talking about like, you know, can you make, this is about the turning advantage, obstacles into advantages, right? He's saying, can you make advantages out of bad things? Um, and one of his students asks, you know, is it possible to derive advantages from these terrible things? Epictetus says, yes, from all of them. And the student says, even from someone who insults you? And Epictetus says, and what advantage does a wrestler gain from his training partner? The greatest. And that man too, who insults me becomes my training partner. He trains me in patience, in abstaining from anger, in remaining gentle. You disagree, and yet the man who seizes me by the neck and gets my hip and shoulders into, into shape renders me some advantage, and the wrestling master does well to tell me, raise up the weight with both hands, and the heavier the weight is, the more good it does me. And yet you say that if someone trains me in abstaining from anger, he brings me no benefit? It is simply that you don't know how to draw advantages from other people. My neighbor is a bad man, bad to him, but good to me. <laughs> <laughs> and... Yeah, that's just that idea. This, that, that conception just as an athlete is so helpful to me of like, I'm training all the time and like, thank you for being my partner today. Um, <laughs> even, if you're, even if you're being terribly rude or, or, or a, a big pain. 
Um, yeah. That's awesome, man. And I think it's another reminder too, that anything that comes our way, we can pull something out of it. Is that true? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I do want to be cautious sometimes about like, I think clouds can have silver linings. I don't think everything is net positive. And I think sometimes sure. stoicism can cause you to like, um, not you yourself, but people to, you don't want to just be like blind to the reality of things. But I think, yes, everything has a silver lining, even if that silver lining is um, an identification of where you can improve further because you failed, because you got upset, because um, you, you, you did something bad. There's, there's always a way to, can, to push forward your personal journey, no matter what the external circumstance. I believe that there's always some. Um, that doesn't mean that everything is always rainbows and, sh and sunshine, but there's always some progress, some, some good to be, to be pulled from it, definitely. What a great place to end. Uh, as we close down here, Michael, I want you to tell our listeners about your app that you're a part of. And I got a chance to download it today and it's, it's super clean, easy to use. Talk to us a little bit about what was the idea behind it and, and how can people get involved? Yeah, great. So, so one thing I've been working on recently is the uh, Stoa app. So this is Stoa Meditation and Theory. Um, this is for your, for your phones. So you can get this on, you know, just on your iPhone at the App Store or the Google Play Store. And basically what, what I, the hole I've been trying to fill, I mean, you're a trainer to understand this is it's all good to talk about this stuff, but you need to implement it and you need to practice, right? And so if you, if you want to take, if you thought what we were talking about was interesting and you want to learn more about stoicism and continue that practice, um, this app is designed to kind of help you with that. It's, it's a way of helping people continue their daily practice. What that looks like for most people is kind of a, a daily meditation or a daily uh, reflection upon theory. And so um, that's what the app provides, but it's in kind of a way that's structured right? So, so you can stick to a schedule and it's in a way that is accessible um, because you don't want something, this is the kind of the hardest thing when you're getting into something stoicism, you want something that um, is motivating and can push you forward because, because it can be a lot of information at the start. And so we were talking about the start about the daily stoic, about these kind of once a day kind of reminders. And so I'm looking at, at the stoa app as kind of a, a, maybe an intermediate step past that, right? So you're like, I've seen these, I listen to this podcast, I follow these pages and I, I find them motivating. Okay, I, I might want to start actually practicing this, start incorporating this into my own day. And that's what we're trying to do with the app. Um, and yeah, it's, it, it, it's cool because in today's time, I, I came from jiu-jitsu, you came from CrossFit, um, you know, it's only the people in your club that you can help. But when, you know, with technology, I'm realizing, oh, I can actually help people anywhere around the world that can use this and start in their own implementation, their own practice. So I think that's pretty cool. And, and hopefully some people give it a try. And, and I'm always super happy to feedback or, or to hear about your experiences with it, because we're really just trying to, to help people with stoicism as much as possible, the way that it's, it's helped me and, and it's helped you as well. Yeah. Very cool. Michael, that's fun, man. You do such a great job at, at explaining such um, <laughs> deep, deep material, really. I mean, it's not easy stuff to, to, to kind of break down, but you, you make it very simple and I think it's fun for our listeners to see it from a sports uh, kind of analogy and, and philosophy that way. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for spelling all that out and uh, guys definitely check out uh, the app. And then also if you liked the three kind of principles we talked about today, they're all kind of derived from, from Michael's paper on, on stoicism and sports and MMA training specifically. I'm going to post that in the show notes too, Michael, for, so people can sure. kind of take a deeper dive and, and read it. Um, I've already shared it with a couple of people at our gym because I just think it's, it's awesome, man. Super well written. Oh, cool. Thank you. Yeah. You did a great job. So um, 
yeah, guys, thank you for, for tuning in. If you made it this far, uh, if you enjoyed the show, be sure to give us some feedback. Michael, I would love to hear if you have any questions about stoicism. Um, I'll probably point him to, to in, his, in his direction and let him let the master take over. But uh, thank you guys again for, for tuning in. And we'll see you next week uh, for another episode on the My Fit Podcast. Take care.